knowing where your kiddos are at all times is super, super important, especially with us with Mikey early on, he fled, he eloped. That's the nice way of saying that he would run into traffic. Well, finding your child is important, but today is about child find. Hey friends, this is the Finding Mikey podcast, our family's quest to prepare our son Mikey for life. I'm Mike, and from time to time, I'll be joined by my wife, Heather, or other family members and others for interviews and conversations. Now, while I may mention our son, you have a Mikey of your own, and together, we're on a journey to learn as much as we can so that we can understand how to best communicate and guide our kiddos into independent adulthood. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, so today is about a service or about, yeah, about a service called Child Find, and I will I will ask you what Child Find is in a minute, but... Before we get started and get into Mikey's story and why or how Child Find became a part of our story, our story, we'll get into this. So uh, a couple of things. One, we keep letting you know we have a phone number and it's toll free, <laughs> 469-249-0425. That information is also on the Finding Mikey podcast website at findingmikeypodcast.com. And actually, while you're at the website, you'll see our show notes. You'll see the links that we refer to within the show itself. But if you go to Finding Mikey podcast slash support, you'll see all the different ways that you could support the podcast. And if you found any value, I'm stealing this from another podcast that I love, Hardcore History. Uh, they say at the end, if, if you've gotten any value out of this, if it's worth a dollar to you, we'd love to put that dollar to use to keep producing the podcast. We would love the same thing. Every dollar helps in keeping this thing going. So back to the phone number, you can call us anytime. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to see what other things you'd love for us to talk about. I've said love seven times now, so I'm going to use a different no, a different word. We would enjoy hearing from you. Now, that would be great, but that is it. So let's go ahead and get into today's show. So Heather, go ahead and start us off here. What's up? <laughs> yeah. So one of the reasons that I wanted to do this podcast is because on our story with Mikey, his story would have been a little bit different had we known what child find was back when he was in preschool. And so basically when I was trying to enroll Mikey in preschool. I first uh, went to programs like Mom's Day Out, where you just drop your kids off for like for like three hours twice a week, and you can go get your nails done or relax or do grocery shopping without any kids. And doing things like that were really important to me because I needed a break. Uh, Mikey was a very intense toddler to raise, and he was always very active. He did things that were dangerous, so I was always on high alert and. My daughter, you know, Grace was four years old. Mikey was two. And then shortly thereafter, I had an infant daughter, Joy. And so it was just became more and more important for me to have a little bit of time to take a break. And so I found some local preschools that had a mom's day out program. And I just wanted Mikey to be able to go there for a couple hours, a couple days a week and get some social skills. I didn't call it that back then, but I wanted him to have some play dates with other kids and do preschool type stuff while I got a break with my, you know, with my daughter. And I say all that because it wasn't an easy process back then to find a preschool for Mikey. In fact, the first one that he went to, I was asked to, to pick him up. He basically got kicked out of preschool and the preschool teachers told me that he just wasn't ready for preschool. 
And the kind of behaviors that he was doing in that environment is anytime someone came to pick up their child and they had to open that little half barn door looking thing, Mikey would just run out of the classroom and just run down the hallway and then someone would have to go chase him. Or when they weren't looking, Mikey would climb bookcases and jump off of them. He would climb the baby changing table and like stand on it. And so they were just, he needed a lot of redirection to get him to play with the toys that were in the room and things like that. Now he did well, like socially with other kids. He wasn't aggressive or anything, but he just did a lot of behaviors to where the ratio with the two teachers and however many two or three-year-olds they had in the room, they just felt like it wasn't the right environment for Mikey. And it was an awkward feeling because my daughter, Grace, had been in preschool She started preschool later in life, but I mean, I have that kind of experience for her. So it was actually kind of embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Nobody wants to get kicked out of preschool. Right? It's not on his permanent record though. No, no, (laughs) it's not. But I also felt a lot of parent guilt. Like, what am I doing wrong that, you know, my young child doesn't listen to adults, can't follow rules. Is that a question or do you want me to list? No, no. I'm just saying I felt a lot of parent guilt because I my child didn't listen to me and didn't yeah. listen to adults. Yeah. Impulsivity and, is what we learned. I mean, yes. that's, that's what it was. Yes. Is. And so, you know, later on, you know, when Mikey was around three and a half, he was diagnosed with ADHD and sensory processing disorder. So at least I had a little more clue that, you know, that he was struggling, but still as a parent, he just didn't fit the mold of our parenting style. And it, it was just really hard to get him to follow rules. So we tried another preschool and In order to get him enrolled in preschool, I actually had to go and tour like three or four different preschools. And I needed to let him know that, you know, Mikey's three and a half. I really want him to be in preschool. And he has behaviors. And these are the kind of behaviors that he's done in the past. I'm concerned. And there's a lot of preschools that are on busy streets. And so all of those preschools I had to rule out because they take their eye off of him at the wrong minute. And they're walking from the building to the playground. And Mikey's fleeing to who knows where. So there was a lot of preschools that we needed to rule out because of that. So there was this one preschool director that I spoke with that she just put me at ease. You know, she let us know that, that they got this, that they can work with Mikey. They've been in business for a long time and they've seen kids with all types of behaviors and things like that. And she just let me know that they thought that they could handle it. And so we went ahead and signed Mikey up for the preschool program there. So, and she was also very gracious in another way. She let me know. She's like, Heather, because of the kinds of things that you're telling me about Mikey, he might actually qualify for free preschool. And it's a program that is offered through the local school district, where if your child needs help with certain social skills and other things that, you know, you can get special services for your preschooler. And I didn't know anything about that. So I went right away after I dropped him off one day and I went home and put my daughter down for a nap. And I went on the round, actually just uh, went on the, you know, the website for the local school district. (laughs) And, And I contacted someone in regards to the child find program. And we didn't talk for very long. I let her know that he did have a diagnosis of ADHD, that he does have sensory processing disorder and that we were looking to getting him in, involved in some OT therapy. Mm-hmm. And OT she, therapy? Yeah, occupational, occupational yeah, therapy. Sorry. Yeah, occupational therapy because he was diagnosed with having a low muscle tone in his wrists. And unfortunately, I didn't talk to a very knowledgeable employee. And so 
she kind of dropped the ball with talking with me. And she just let me know that based on the conversation that I had in, in describing Mikey's characteristics, that he didn't qualify for an evaluation. And not knowing about more about the child find program, I took her answer for what it was that Mikey didn't qualify for an evaluation and therefore didn't qualify for any special early intervention intervention services. And it was really unfortunate because had he gotten those services, he would have been able to go to a preschool in our school district where he could have learned the social skills that he needed to have a, a really good transition into kindergarten. And if that had happened, he would have had a more successful start to kindergarten because the start to kindergarten was horrible. And it's what started our journey of starting this podcast because we just didn't understand why our our child wasn't able to attend kindergarten. And it's a difficult situation. <laughs> yeah. Well, what could we have done? Could we have started it sooner? Yes. Mikey so was, was three and a half. was it because he was already in preschool or no. was it his age? No, no. It was just the fact that the employee that I spoke with didn't give us the time of day. Like we didn't get the evaluation that he needed. So in hindsight, maybe when I talked to her, I shouldn't have said that he had a diagnosis. Maybe I should have just said he has these behaviors. I'm really concerned and I'd like to get him evaluated by the school district and really pressed it. So again, just like our last episode here, it's like get the services before or while you're, you know, when, when you have a diagnosis, right? It's sort of, it may be better to get them prior. In this case, it sounds like it was. Right. And again, you don't need a diagnosis. We ended up having one, but you don't need a, a diagnosis. It That child find program is for kids that are not following the developmental milestones that they're filing. And that's the, you know, the early intervention, you know, aspect of it. But I don't want to talk too much. No, that's okay. What, are, that's what okay. does child find cost? Yeah. Okay. So basically, before we go into what it costs, I just want to say more information about what child find is. And Child Find is part of the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. It's in all of the states. So I can be talking to you guys with my experiences from Virginia, from Texas, from California. And there's going to be a little bit of differences, but for the most part, it's in all states and you can get access to this information. Child Find looks at kids from birth to 21 years old. It looks at kids that are enrolled in K through 12 you can be enrolled in public school. You can be homeschooled. You could be at a charter school. That doesn't matter. If you feel that your child is having developmental delays, you can get evaluation done by their local school district. It also looks at kids that are infants, toddlers, and preschoolers. And that's where our podcast is going to focus on today. The Child Find program, it covers kids with learning and thinking differences, developmental delays, and other conditions. So yeah, so that's what Child Find is. All right. How much does it cost? Okay, so just answer the question. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of the awesome things about Child Find is that it doesn't cost anything. A lot of people feel like discouraged when they, you know they have a child with special needs and they feel like, oh my gosh, if I only had more money, if I only had better health insurance, my child could benefit from this therapy and that therapy, you know. And one of the awesome things about Child Find is once that they do have the evaluation and they see that your child qualifies for services, all of those services are provided by the funding of the school district. Because early intervention is really key and they want your child to, to be able to succeed and grow and you know be the best that they can be. So it's kind of a shame that if you're going through an IEP process like our last podcast was, that 
those individuals that you're talking to aren't also steering you to child find like as, as the before, like, Hey, look, while you're doing this, like go ahead and, and here. Now I realize that as a preschooler, you're not going to have an IEP. So it's probably good that you're listening today here too. So you mentioned a lot of stuff. It sounds like anybody on the spectrum, right? Because it's a, it's a, actually there's a really cool graphic that I liked a bit more. It was kind of like a piece of pie and it was measured sort of from the middle to the out where the out was more pronounced and the inner was like neurotypical, right? Across a variety of characteristics of those who are on the autism spectrum. The question that I have then is like, what kind of developmental delays are pertinent and should prompt you to go and, and reach out to child find? Or should everybody just reach out and ask them? Yeah. So a lot of times when you go to your pediatrician appointments, when your kids are infants and toddlers, you fill out those questionnaires that say, is your child crawling yet? Is your child rolling over? Is your child sitting up straight? Like those are the developmental milestones that we start looking at when children are really young, because if they're not doing those milestones, it's an indication that, that there might be a delay going on. And again, like there could, they could be outside of, of the milestones just because they're progressing on, on their own individual needs. However, if there continues to be delays like across the board, then you can definitely start noticing things. So that was like the physical part. There's other parts like the cognitive part where they're like, they're thinking, they're learning, they're problem solving. Like how are they playing with toys? Are they playing with toys appropriately? Also their communication skills. Are they talking? Are they using their words? Are they able to follow one-step directions? And also their self-help or adaptive skills. Like, are they eating? Are they able to feed themselves? Are they able to dress themselves? These are all things where it's like a, like a, like a Jenga, you know? Like if things are going well, you're just going to keep building and building and building and your child's going to continue to progress. But if you start seeing all of these missing links in the scaffolding of your child's development, then you really need to take a look and say like, okay, is this something where I, I would consider my child to be delayed? And you can get uh, services with them. Where a lot of children struggle in their early years, it's not as, as much of a problem, but as they start, is, is what I'm talking about here is their, their peer interactions. When I would go to play dates with my mom's club, Back when my kids were like two or, you know, two years old, there sorry, was a lot of sorry, what, sorry. what? When you say play dates with your mom's club, I, I think like mimosas and bonbons and oh, no, no, no. It's, movies. No, <laughs> it's all of us like standing around and trying to have an adult conversation while our, our kids are being a hot mess or, or playing and not eating toys and not pulling each other's hair and yeah. And just trying to have some adult time while we're trying to socialize our kids. So that's kind of what it's like. It's like a little jungle. So basically, kids that are around two years old, they tend to do a lot of parallel play. Well, they'll play with their own toy, but they're sitting next to another child. And another, if one of the children is, is being aggressive or they don't like someone sitting that close to them or you're getting to the older years where they're between three and four and they should start playing together and that's not going very well, like that's another indicator that, you know, there might be a need here for social or emotional skill development. And it's just another thing to, you know, keep your eye on when you're looking at how your child is developing and if, if they would need any special services. So you noted something on the notes here, it just says eating therapy. And I'm like, I don't think Mikey was in that. What was, what's no, that No, but I have a, a good story about that. When 
this is one of the skills that you can get help with if your, you know, child's evaluation comes back that they need services is that when I was sitting in the waiting room, when Mikey was doing occupational therapy, he did occupational therapy when he was four years old. It was one of the things that we decided to go ahead and invest in because he was diagnosed with low muscle tone in his wrists and also low muscle tone in his core. And he didn't like to hold a crayon. If we went to a restaurant, <laughs> he'd hold them. He would break crayons, <laughs> yeah. peel crayons, throw crayons at the server. While my daughter, who was two years older than him, couldn't wait to open the crayons, open the kids' menu, and just start coloring. So I just thought my son was supposed to be like that. And he didn't want anything to do with holding a crayon, which is fine for many, like months. I couldn't, can't say years because we got in, into OT at four years old. But for a lot of our develop, his development, I was like, oh, that's fine. He just doesn't like to color. But what I realized is that the coordination, the posture, the low muscle tone in the wrist, like all of that factors into he gets fatigued very easily and does not find enjoyment in coloring. So one of his OT goals was to color for five minutes and do other exercises that strengthened his fine motor skills. So I would, his sessions were only like 50 minutes long. So I would drop him off. I would be in the waiting room talking to other parents that children were in therapy. And a lot of the parents that were in there were in there for children needing eating therapy. And I was like, oh, wow, that's interesting. See, Mikey was opposite. Mikey would put everything in his mouth. <laughs> including the crayons. Yeah, including the crayons and the Legos <laughs> and the, and the Lego tires and, you know, things that were squishy. And I was Still. constantly hooking him. And praise God, he has never choked. But... It is also like very concerning as a parent to see your child constantly fidgeting with something in their mouth. Again, it was another thing that kept me on hyper alert with him like all the time because I didn't want to be like, oh yeah, he always puts it in his mouth and yeah, and now he's choking. So I was always trying to work with him on his behavior so that he would not put things in his mouth. So anyway, sorry, going back to talking with parents in the occupational therapy waiting room, most of them were there because their child didn't want to put anything in their mouth. Some kids... Would, did not like texture. They only wanted liquid food. They didn't want anything more substantial than applesauce. And then I had other, like, other parents that I would talk to that their kids would only eat goldfish and chicken nuggets. So it, like, it was just a very interesting thing. So they were there at occupational therapy to get eating therapy. And that's one of the services that you can get through Child Find. And I say that with excitement because you don't need to have like this awesome health insurance plan. You don't need to have this awesome income and pay these high deductibles to go to these therapies because it doesn't, it's not an overnight fix. It takes a while for a child to, you know, to learn how to eat, chew, swallow, if they really do have a deficit in this area. You know, I, your, your enthusiasm was contagious just yeah. now because you're, you're absolutely right. That sounds like a big issue, a big hurdle to overcome. If Mikey only ate certain types of food, it would be very, very frustrating. I would feel like we were constantly, you know, hitting a dead end or hitting a wall. And I would think that it would be very expensive to get that kind of treatment. So yeah, it's a great point on that as well. And not that the other bits, anyway, point is, is you're absolutely right. But all of that work that we did with Mikey for, for OT, I mean, I remember some of the training that he would do. It was kind of like physical training. You know, he'd be in a swing kind of on his tummy and he'd have to pick up beanie babies or small objects. And, and uh, we had so much fun at home doing that on our swing set. And 
just trying to get him to interact and use more of his arms. Like we'd put him on a skateboard and he'd scoot around the floor (laughs) at home or he would do that at, at OT as well. And yeah, I mean, if we had the choice or we had known, we wouldn't have needed to partner with our insurance provider. Had we known about this before that would have let us divert, you know, that income somewhere else. So that's, that is good. So had we actually gotten ahead of this, and got the ball rolling right what's an evaluation process like how do you get it started what does it look like yeah that's i'm glad that you asked that so basically the early intervention evaluation request usually it comes from three different sources it can come from the child's pediatrician where you're filling out those milestone surveys when you go in for your annual checkups and it's like hmm i'm definitely noticing that your child's not hitting their milestones maybe they need to be evaluated It can also come from your preschool teacher like it did for us, or it can come from a parent request. In each state, there is like a protocol for how you get it started. And you can check out the information for your state on a website called Early Child Technical Assistance Center or ectacenter.org. And then you go to the resources tab and select Part C Coordinators. Mm-hmm. Okay, look, go to... It'll be in the show notes. Uh, yeah, go okay. to our show notes. <laughs> yeah, go to our show notes on our website, uh, findingmikeypodcast.com. Yeah, because that sounds a little bit... I mean, it, it was only two steps, but it was a bit more than I think you could do while you're just listening, while you're driving right. or walking. Right, and I'll just repeat the website here just in case. It's ectacenter.org. ectacenter.org. Right, and okay. you go to the resources tab and you need a Part C coordinator. Yes, so... This is the research that I do for you guys that I wish I would have had. Okay. So thank you. Thank you. When you get on the landing page for your actual state, you will uh, get a contact person that you can call that will guide you through the process and how you go about requesting the evaluation. Cool. So the focus on this is being young. And you mentioned the term a couple of times called early intervention. And what is, how does that differ from, you definitely made a point to say early intervention. Like why does that matter? What are those services and why does that matter? Yeah. So the reason I'm talking about, (laughs) no, it's okay. What I'm going to do is just kind of like answer that question and then just share with you guys the next facts that I think are important. But basically for the purposes of this podcast, we're talking about early intervention because Once your child enters kindergarten and they're in a public school, it's part of the teacher's job to continually evaluate your child and how they're progressing academically, socially, emotionally, physically. And when they have parent-teacher conferences with you, that's one of the purposes of the report card, especially in the early years. It's not about grades. It's about how are they achieving their milestones? How are they learning how to read? How are they able to, you know, start getting their math? And also, too, how are they doing socially and emotionally and ability to follow rules and things like that? So the the purpose of this podcast is for early intervention. So that way, when your child like identified as needing services, that the K through 12 years will be an easier transition. Because if you qualify for services before you get to kindergarten, you're going to have a program called an Individualized Family Education Plan an IFSP instead of an IEP. Okay. Okay. Did we have one? We did not because Mikey wasn't in, like he didn't get early intervention treatment. So you're going to get an IFSP plan. And 
that is going to be the basis of your IEP when you go into kindergarten. Great. So and building so block. It's a building block, right. And so it basically sets the child up for success and an easy transition because it's already been identified what that child needs and what they can continue servicing that child once they get into kindergarten. Right. So what do their services look like? So the services that your child can get in, in early intervention are speech and language therapy, which is pretty self-explanatory, physical or occupational therapy. And that, again, it's kind of like what Mikey was dealing with. It's a broad range of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's a broad range of stuff as yeah. well. And it might even be where like eating therapy would, would be included. And then you could also get medical nursing or nutrition services. You can get hearing and vision. And you can also get assistive technology, which I think is pretty cool. It's very important when a child is young to try to get them to use their words, use their sounds and develop words to communicate. However, assistive technology has come a really long way. And so the school district can provide kids with an iPad and learn, help kids learn how to use it so that they can have a voice for communicating what they want. But at the same time, you know, keeping in mind that we also want to, you know, continue to work on, on speech. And there's a debate out there that sometimes giving assistive technology too early might inhibit speech because of the way that that child is developing and then creating a habit of using the iPad to communicate instead. However, it's a struggle for kids to get their needs met when they can't communicate. So just knowing that that technology is there and exploring it with your child could really benefit their life because they'll be able to communicate their needs a little easier to you and to those that they interact with in life. Cool. So what's, uh, you've gone, we, we've got this plan. Like, I mean, what's next? They qualified for services or just going to get these services there. What, what sort of, I mean, do they do goal setting? Like, is there, do you wean off of this? Is there a finite amount of time that they stay? Like what, what's sort of the life cycle from that point forward? Well, basically it's a fluid document because young kids acquire skills so quickly that they constantly need to update the goals and set new goals for the child. That's pretty awesome. That's one of the reasons that they like to get kids in early intervention is because if they yeah, can get sponges. these kids when they're <laughs> when they're sponges and they ha don't have a bunch of outside circumstances getting in their way mentally, like feeling dumb, like, you know, what three-year-old comes home from school and says, you know, I feel so dumb. I can't read as fast as other kids in my class or I'm getting bad grades and my other friend isn't. So <laughs> when you have a three or four-year-old, they're not doing that mentally yet. So... So okay. it's pretty awesome. Okay, cool. So your journey is your journey is what I'm hearing you say. And it's just going to vary based on their ability to accomplish milestones and, and get on track to a particular set of goals that you guys agree on. Is that a fair summary? Yes. All right, cool. You also have a little note here too called understood.org. And I don't know if that's a note for me from no. you to like, Hey, no. here's how to understand me, sweetheart. But no, what is understood? What is understood.org? Yeah. I just wanted to give credit because on a lot of our podcasts, I like to talk about resources, how I educate myself and also how you can learn how we're doing things so you can educate yourself. And so I wanted to give credit to this website called understood.org. It was created by parents who were raising a child that had special needs. It was started over 30 years ago, and they created this website for families like us, for individuals who learn differently 
It doesn't necessarily mean you have autism or ADHD. It, it, it could be dyslexia. It, you know, it could be different things. It's just basically that you don't fit the mold of traditional learning. You have your own learning and thinking style. So they have a great website. It's called understood.org. They even developed an, a community-based app called Wonder. It's W-U-N-D-E-R. And it's it's free. Their website is free. And I just wanted to share it with you guys because I got a lot of my information for today's podcast from their website. So that's all great. And it sounds like between understood.org and Taka Now that like there's close to 60 years of experience being shared there in a community that you should be exposed to. What else you want to add? Anything at the last, the tail end here? Well, I just wanted to share information about the Autism Parent Magazine. Yeah. What's that? Okay. I'm just kidding. I have it on the iPad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounds corny. What's that? Do tell. Hmm. Fancy, fancy. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. So magazine days, you know, like you have a hobby or a craft or you want to learn something, you know, how to decorate your house. You know, you pick up that magazine at the checkout stand and you go about your day. And I know that I got through a lot of workouts before I had my smartphone and was watching YouTube while I worked out. And I just wanted to share with you guys that Autism Parent Magazine offers a lot of great articles because they publish them monthly. There's always up-to-date information. They get their articles from over like 10,000 different professionals in medical and therapy and working with the autism community. It's specifically for autism. And so it's just another resource that you might want to look out there for. <laughs> and we are going to put a link to the to the magazine in our show notes. We are an affiliate for Autism Parent Magazine. So if you go through our link, you'll be able to subscribe to the magazine. It is a digital magazine, but they also have an app where you can read the print on your phone. So that's pretty awesome. And it will help support the podcast. So feel free to check it out. It's a good call. Good call. Yeah, that is all that we have for today. So just to quickly kind of recap here, Child Find, take advantage of this. It's for early identification and early intervention. Do this if you think you need services or not. And I would suggest that maybe like we learn this one here too. If you get turned away the first time, call back tomorrow. All right. Try it again because the services are out there for you. You're a taxpayer in your community. This is a, a service given to us all in the community through our school districts. So, you know, taxpayer funded, it's a, it's a benefit for being a part of the community that we live in. So please take advantage of that. And one more time, we're just going to point you back to the show notes because there were a few web links in here. We'd love for you to go ahead and take a look at. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Thank you so much for your guys' time today. Thank you for taking us on your walk or in your drive or as you're folding laundry or as you're ignoring your family, whatever, you know, I mean, I've used it for, <laughs> I've used podcasts for all of those before. Thank you anyway. We appreciate you. Bye.